Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. Please stand as you are able for our scripture reading today from the book of Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your Lord. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come. Let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord, because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. Amen. You may be seated. So I encourage you this morning to have your bulletins handy. Inside there, you're going to find some spaces where you can take notes. There's also uh, some scripture passages and, and questions for you to reflect on throughout this week as we study Jonah, as we begin this, this wonderful series talking about Jonah. I also want to remind you that, uh, that should a question come up during, during the message, 
you could certainly text that into me. Not sure if I will get to it that morning. We'll see what we can do. Uh, but if you got something that just speaks to you, just text it on in. We'll see what uh, we'll see what we can do with that. Uh, but I ask that you would pray with me, gracious and almighty God. We uh, we pause to uh, to hear your word and to hear your message for us. And so, God, I ask that the words that I speak would no longer be my own, but that they would be your words and your message for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we begin a series on on one of those stories of the Bible that we probably all know really well. It's one of the the big Sunday school stories. And the one I think that uh, maybe many of you remember a musical about it. In fact, you probably have some of those songs running through your head right now. Sorry about that. But <laughs> and it's a story that involves a few different aspects of normal life. And it's really easy to see this in a, as a story of not obeying God and the consequences of those actions. It's a story about a man, a fish, and a great city. But is there more than what meets the eye? Is there more to the story than just a man being eaten by a fish after he ran away from God, only to be given a second chance at a mission? I think so. And that's why we want to spend a little time with our friend Jonah. Before we get too far, we probably need to lay a little groundwork about this intriguing book. As I said, the story seems pretty simple. The book of Jonah is only four chapters long, and it has all the parts that we probably remember as a kid. But just in case you don't remember the story, here's the Cliff Notes version. Jonah is resting his eyes a bit when he hears the voice of God. The voice tells him to go to this interesting town called Nineveh, and when he gets there, he is to give a prophetic message that the town is going to be destroyed. Jonah's not so interested in giving this message, so he heads in the opposite direction, getting as far away from Nineveh as possible. Well, while he's running, actually sailing on a ship with some other people, a storm whipped up and tossed the little ship. It was so bad that they thought the minnow would be lost. After all, it was only supposed to be a three-hour tour. Wait, okay, I'm mixing them up a little bit. The original story. During the storm, the other sailors were trying to figure out what to do, even praying to all of their gods, and they finally asked Jonah what he did. And Jonah said it was all his fault. If they would just throw him overboard, they would be saved. And so they did. The storm stopped, and immediately they began praising God. Meanwhile, Jonah is swallowed up by a big fish or a whale. Either way, it's a big enough thing to swallow a man whole. Three nights, Jonah spends in this horrible place, finally coming to his senses, and he prays to God, asking for forgiveness. Forgiveness comes in the form of a big fish, spitting him up on shore. Can you imagine the smell? Mm. Released from his watery prison, Jonah hears the voice of God telling him to go to Nineveh and preach this message of devastation again. This time, he goes. And the people listen to him, repent from their sins, and guess what? God saves them. But Jonah, who should be celebrating because of his great work, is ticked off. He's mad. Of course, that wasn't quite part of the story that I remembered from Sunday school. So maybe 
And a little bit later, we'll spend a little time on that in this series. First, however, I think we need to go back to the beginning. We need to ask questions like, who wrote this book? Is it true? Did it really happen? If so, how could it? I mean, it seems like a fantastical story. But then again, it's a fish story. And I'm sure you've all heard plenty of fishy stories, right? (laughs) Ever heard stories like, you know, we caught so many fish, we just knew we couldn't be able to keep them all. After all, there are limits on how many you can keep. We were just making sure that others could still catch some fish. Or how about this one? Have you, you should have seen the size of the fish. It was so big. How big was it? Oh, it was so big. Well, after a little research, while some believe that this book was actually written by Jonah, many scholars will tell you that they don't, they don't really know who wrote the book although it's a story about Jonah. It may have just been a story passed down through the years. Sounds a little fishy. That also brings up the possibility of the truth of the story, whether or not it actually happened. And while some will tell you that it did, many others will say that this is more like the parables that Jesus taught. It's a story that tells us about ourselves. And if you don't believe that, that this story could be about you, you might change your mind by the time we end this series. So a couple of things that, uh, that I wanted to bring, bring up for you. One is that Jesus actually talks about Jonah. Jesus talks about Jonah in Matthew 12, 38 through 41. Uh, and it says this, and I think, Paul, I've, got, uh, I've just got verse 41 in there. Uh, It says this, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. Something greater than Jonah is here. Someone greater than Jonah. Jesus is comparing himself to Jonah, almost saying that the ultimate Jonah is now here. Someone far greater. So why aren't you all listening, he says. I think this will fit as we compare the story of Jonah and that of a familiar parable that Jesus taught in the prodigal son. It didn't take long in that story for the prodigal son to find himself in the middle of his own personal storm. But how did he get there? What were the steps that led him to the worst storm of his life? If you remember, he asked for his portion of the inheritance and decided to leave the family, venturing out on his own. He lived a a wild and crazy lifestyle, squandering all of that inheritance. It was at that moment that he found himself in the storm. It wasn't because of what God did to him 
forced upon him, or caused in his life. It was because of decisions that he made that were contrary to God's will for his life. Jonah finds himself in the midst of a pretty big storm as well. So much so that the sailors began dumping cargo in order to lighten the load. But how did Jonah get to that spot? How did he come to be on a particular ship at that particular moment running from God? Jonah heard the call of God on his life and he ran from it. Next week we're going to talk a little more about the reasons why he would have run. But for now, just focus on the fact that he ran away from where God was asking him to go. Nineveh. From the very beginning, we realize that this is a downward slide for Jonah. We hear it in the story as it's told, if you remember. And actually, out of the, uh, the English Standard Version, we hear these words say it this way. The call comes to Jonah as, Arise and go. Get up and go to Nineveh. Stand up and begin your journey. But right after that, we hear that Jonah decided that he knew better. So he went down to Joppa, the port where he could hop on a ship and continue running for God from God. As he gets on board, we hear that he paid his fare and went down into it. A little later in the story, we hear these words, Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship. Jonah begins, Jonah's beginning journey was doing nothing but going down and down and down again. Down to Joppa, down to board the ship, and down to the inner parts of the ship. He was literally on a slippery slope going further and further down away from God. So after all of this downward traveling, Jonah is right in the middle of the worst storm of his life, literally and figuratively, all because he was running from God. What storms have you been in? Where have you traveled down to reach a horrific storm? One of my many storms of life came in the form of a job offer. Job offer. I believe at the time I was pretty active in my home church, singing with the quartet, enjoying the beginning of a family life as Stephanie was getting ready for the beginning of her school years. This most certainly would have been an, could have been an opportunity to, to step deeper into leadership at the church further advancing God's call on my life into pastoral ministry. But the lure of management in the construction equipment world hooked me pretty hard. <laughs> right around 98, 99, I picked up my family and moved to Appleton, Wisconsin. Nothing against Wisconsin. <laughs> we were only there for about a year and a half, but that's what all it took to travel down a pretty bad road. I stayed away from home, always spending time with customers and co-workers in places where most business in my field was done, especially in Wisconsin. Rental contracts were decided in the bars. It didn't take Sherry long to reach the tipping point 
and spent a long weekend back in Rockford. I was alone. Alone with my thoughts of of where I had quickly traveled and wondering if I could ever find my way back home again. I guess you could say that for the three nights of that long weekend, I knew how Jonah felt. I realized that that I had made bad choices and that I needed to ask for forgiveness of, of both my wife and of God. God's grace is amazing. It really is. And so is the grace extended by my wife. But you see, that storm in my life was there because of my decisions. Not because God caused anything to happen. The storms in our lives can be caused by our bad decisions. It was with Jonah. It was with the prodigal son. God certainly worked in that time, but it was still a storm that at times I would love to forget. However, it is a testimony that God has placed within me. And all this came because of running from God. What does running from God really look like? Have you ever run from God's calling on your life? Certainly it can look like my story. Running away from church. But can you run while in church? Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wonder how many of you this morning are running right now. You may be thinking to yourself, hey, how can I be running? I'm here. I'm in worship. I'm, I'm online. I'm in worship. There are many people who don't even come to worship. How can I be running Well, let me tell you that that I think that we all do this from time to time when we don't use our spiritual gifts to participate in the kingdom of God. We are, in a way, running. I had a bunch of people stand up in front of you just a few moments ago. They're using their gifts in the ministry of this church, in the ministry of God. We aren't moving toward God by doing his will, and therefore we are going in the opposite direction when we're running, when we're not using those gifts. Just like Jonah. Just don't go near the water. I mean, we run from God when we just go through the motions. Maybe you're, maybe you're serving on a leadership team. It could be worship, missions, finance, trustees, or even church council. But if you're not looking to use all your gifts, if you're not in an active role of growing in your faith, you're just a body in a chair. At best, maybe you're a vote. But God wants so much more for all of us here at Journey of Hope. God wants us to have this place of belonging, a place where we can change our lives, a place where, that will encourage us to share our faith with all of those around us. All of those within our circle of influence. That's your friends and your family and your co-workers. This is living into God's call on our lives. If a church has people who are, who are just going through the motions, then they are like Jonah, running away from God. And all we know... Actually, all, we all know 
what that action leads us to. The storms of life will be dead ahead, no matter what the horizon looks like. Following our selfish wants and desires leads to storms, great big storms. Following God's call leads us to the promised land, away from the storms. Were there, were there, will there still be storms? Along our way? Yeah. God is not Lynn Anderson. God never promised us a rose garden. He never promises that we will not have storms in our life. But what God does promise is that he will walk with us through those storms. That he will be sitting right next to us in the middle of those ships that are tossed around on those waves. God will be there every moment. Ready to guide. Ready to shower us with grace. Each and every step of the way. Our storms, a lot of times, are our own design. But God offers forgiveness. God offers grace. And God offers the ever-presence of his Spirit with us. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, God, we may be in the middle of a storm right now. Or we may be running away from you right now. God, help us to, to turn around. Help us to come back to your call on our lives. Help us to notice those times when we are tempted to run away from you and encourage us to come back and to follow your guidance. God, if we are in the middle of that storm, God, I ask that you would calm the winds. Calm the waves. Bring the sun out again. God, no matter where we are today, God, I ask for your abiding presence, the knowledge of your presence with us, because God, we know that, that you are always with us. It's just sometimes we don't recognize it. And so help us to know that you are with us every step of our journeys. All this we lift in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Through it all, through the storms of life, which I know that you have many experiences in, and you can name those storms, and you can name that, that out of those storms has come more faith, more hope, more trust in an almighty God that carries us through. Through it all, we can name that. And so I encourage you as you leave from this place, as you go next door to, uh, to have some coffee or snacks, to have some more conversation, that part of those conversations might be, you know what, here's my story. Here's my storm and how God helped me through it. Take that with you also as you go to small groups uh, and then maybe even as we share lunch together at 1130. Uh, just outside in the, in the sunrise room. So I encourage you to do that. But now, go knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you. And know that it goes with you always. Amen.